0: Hello, and welcome to QA Quest episode 247. I'm your host, Mike Apps. Um, disappointed in Horizon
1: Wheels. Uh, and with me, as always, uh, 97 out of 100 on Metacritic. For any time, I'm
2: And just working it in the atelier, uh, Your Man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gajimuno Guitari.
0: So I see we apparently uh, have Elden Ring on the cast. <laughs>
1: it's me i'm Elden Ring, the person <laughs> i'm obtuse and not very and not for everyone perfect uh, but yeah apparently that's the, the review embargo went up on that and it seems to have nearly killed a lot of people because they were given one week to try to play through a game that's massive well that's stupid yeah that sucks don't do that to people that sucks what's the estimated time to beat it? Uh, most of them couldn't finish. One per the one person who I could figure out had been able to finish it in the time before embargoes went up, had apparently managed to invest eighty-seven hours into it before uh, within one week. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. suffice to say, probably nearly died. Um, don't do that to people.
0: Yeah, that seems uh, not good.
1: Mm-hmm. very yeah. mildly not good i'm sure that like for the most part they played certainly enough of it to give a fairly honest uh impression i'm sure most of them probably played at least 20 30 40 hours that's probably enough to figure out the gist of them, right? it be real. yeah but yeah uh overwhelmingly positive terrifyingly so like all-time high review scores at this stage so that's an interesting breath of the
0: to wild ish that's the last time I saw something like this
1: yeah like it's it's up there with like <laughs> I saw someone point out Horizon 1 came out and was immediately overshadowed by by Breath of the Wild and Horizon 2 is coming out is going to be immediately overshadowed oh, by else. for good reason let me tell you
0: should should I start with that? Oh, uh, we'll disappointed. Can I can I can I be a grumpy?
1: You can go ahead and can be I a grumpy, grumpy guest. Okay.
2: Go ahead be a squeaky wheel. I
0: have to I have to preface this by saying I like Horizon Forbidden West. It's very pretty and will likely be a very fun game that I will play through. Um, But I feel like all the advertising and everything built it up as something that was going to be more than the original game was, and what I've played so far is just more of the original game. Like, literally, if you told me, if you had sat me down and had me play this, not... Having played the original game and not knowing anything about a sequel's existence and told me it was DLC, I would have no choice but to believe you. Ouch. It plays the same, and that's like warts and all because, you know, playing this, I've been thinking a lot about those three crazy good games, like all time good games that came out in 2017, which was Horizon. Uh, Breath of the Wild and Persona Five, all within Can like a month. <laughs> well, we're, this is an RPG podcast. I'm talking about RPGs. Okay. Okay. Um, 2017
1: was a packed year, though.
0: <laughs> yes. You know, and you looking at those three games, uh, Breath of the Wild, did a lot of things to move open world games forward. And it was just a brilliant game overall. Persona 5 really, I want to say, crystallized what Persona 3 and Persona 4 had started into something absolutely and incredible. It was also just a complete
1: just, uh, rewriting the book on how aesthetically oh, yeah. consistent the game could be.
0: It just <laughs> uses the way everything like moves in that game is absurd like the way like you go into a battle and then when you exit out of the battle it's it's, it's like an artistic masterpiece it's wonderful uh, and then we have Horizon which is this wonderful and incredibly interesting sci-fi story um with some very intense and very excellent robot combat built on a bunch of aging game mechanics Um, which ultimately, obviously, since I'm listing it with these other two games, didn't hold it back that much, but still.
1: It was the one that had the most obvious.
0: Right. It was a great game built on things that weren't that great. Like, it's open world, if you want to really call it an open world game, was not great, and the best way to play it, honestly, was to just go through the story and honestly Treat it like
1: a linear game
0: right and honestly the story was a lot of segmented areas that were like you know your tomb raider you uncharted that kind of things and like climbing Sounds puzzles like the kind and things of game like you would that. expect
1: from a first crack at an open world game right. from a company that this century made nothing but first person shooters for right
0: movie. which was which was fine because this like you said this is a, something totally brand new from this studio Totally unexpected, and it was a one. It's a wonderful story. Um, creates a wonderful universe for them to build more stuff on. Uh, so when I fired up Horizon Forbidden West, um, sure, my expectations a full
1: half decade later. Yes,
0: <laughs> my expectations were high, and you know, having seen some of the trailers where they have like the glider type thing from. Breath of the Wild, you obviously start to get wild expectations. And, you know, honestly, I tried to go in a little level-headed and just be like, you know, this does not have to be Horizon X Breath of the Wild and I just wanted something better. You know, given the amount of time between the games. And so when I fired up the game and immediately get in placed into a linear segment where you have to do a bunch of climbing like you're playing in an Uncharted or Tomb Raider game and the combat feels largely th- the same minus all the stuff I had by the end of Horizon 1 mm-hmm. um, and the story also has gotten off to a, a, quite a slow start uh, you could understand where I might be a little disappointed
1: it's not a great first impression
0: no and you go from that linear segment to a very small open worldish area that supposedly is going to lead to probably the bigger open world area and honestly once i get there it'll probably be a lot better but it uh, there's lots of problems even if that's the case like just simple things have you got
1: the glider yet i'm curious i have not okay I have so not. there's there's time for it to reveal more aspects of itself but yeah. like to be fair from every impression I've heard it seems like it really is kind of a more of the same kind of game. yeah like
0: I want to give you like for example um, one of the problems with the first game is uh, it has to do with like crafting arrows like obviously you- there's not really much melee combat in this you're primarily gonna be using mm-hmm. a bow which is fine it's the the combat's very much designed around that and that's great um, but the way crafting works got kind of annoying not necessarily that oh I have to collect a, a bunch of ingredients to make the more powerful arrows it was more just like I'm going to have a near endless supply of the materials to make the regular arrows why sure there's scenarios you, could, you might in... as
1: well give me a base type of arrows that right. I just always have
0: exactly like If you're playing on harder difficulty or something, sure, you you probably get into a situation where maybe you're going to run out of arrows. But generally speaking, that's not going to happen. So why force the player to collect a bunch of items to craft
1: those arrows? Heck, honestly, at that point, like you could probably even just make it so that like make the materials for regular arrows something that isn't used as much for other ones or that you turn regular arrows into nicer ones and just automatically convert those base yeah. materials into arrows
2: so,
0: <laughs> like to, to so go like
2: on so you wood, and you just camp out and then suddenly oh you've got more arrows
0: yeah something like that so to like fire up this game and see that okay i start with 20 max arrows in my inventory and i have to open up the menu and craft which yeah it's quick oh but... do you
1: have to craft like better larger quivers as well or... probably
0: which yeah. you have at the end of the last game and
1: yeah yeah it's i like that's that's a typical progression but like for a game where you have nothing but uh essentially nothing but ranged attacks it makes a slope beginning right. even slower
0: <laughs> and just the tedium of okay you know there's like near beer nearly unlimited materials to craft these arrows but i have to actually go through the act of like walking around and collecting the wood when i see it or yes at some point i will run out it's hmm. it's not a good look it's the best I, I would put it especially
1: it, it ends up putting your most tedious footfall yes Yeah, like
0: I, like I said, the combat is it's just like, yeah, this is fine, but it's more of the same. And now, especially, I, I feel bad for anyone that, like, rushed and played through the first game and is playing this now. It's just like, well, now and I'm back like, at. Oh, it turns square out I'm one, playing another you know, 80 hours of this. Well, it's playing another 80 hours of this, but now I'm back at square one again, and I have to build myself back up. Which, granted, yeah, you know, right. most games do that, but
1: you you definitely don't want to do that back to back no you, you don't somehow.
0: want to do that back to back and you know there's there's ways to get around that by like starting off with start you definitely want off to like if stuff. you're gonna
1: reset the player's stuff you definitely want to start them off with something new right
0: mm-hmm.
1: like something that makes them feel like their experiences at least started right. off differently than where they started in the first game.
0: Like the whole first area is like a tutorial. You could easily have reintroduced a bunch of different arrow types,
1: right away. Reintroduce arrow types, or just introduce like. Th- there has to be some big new feature that they were banking on. Like introduce that early on. If there is, I haven't I the hind glider, I guess. Yeah. Why? Like, why if the why? glider is going to be a big part of this game, which I assume it must be because they showed it a lot, like you definitely start by introducing that so the players yeah. have less of a feeling of deja.
0: But my guess is that has to be saved for whatever open world area they have designed because it doesn't work it. in the
1: tutorial area. Because
0: yeah. this is very much an open world where you can see the seams. Mm-hmm. Um, Which kind of puts it as like the opposite of the Great Plateau. Right. So I mean, I it's, it's probably going to gather some dust while I play some Elden Ring, but I'm absolutely going to play it because like I said, I'm invested in the story and the combat is ultimately quite, quite good. You know, battling giant robot dinosaurs is entertaining, um, but it feels like a giant missed opportunity to really push this series forward and i don't know if they were forced to just try and take advantage of the ps5 which wouldn't make any sense it's also on ps4 to make a very pretty game but really so far the only improvement i see is it looks nicer that's not
1: enough yeah i mean like there's a certain like sameness to, like, how Sony games tend to approach open worlds, and, like, some of them are better at hiding it than others, or have more distinct sure. stand features, but, like, there is a part of me that thinks that, like, there's a degree of executive mandating about how these need to be constructed. Yeah.
0: But, I mean, if you think about even, like, the sameness to open world games, like, I've played numerous Ubisoft open world games recently, yeah. and those all feel like they try to improve things. Like every single one, they're all
1: swinging and oftentimes missing. Right, they're swinging for something. They're all trying new stuff. To hang their hat on.
0: <laughs> like you look at like uh, Assassin's Creed Ragnarok, which is very similar to the, the pre. Uh, mixing up my Assassin's Creed and Vikings. Vikings. Assassin's Creed Vikings it does change and try. Or Watchdogs Legion or something like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Like Watchdogs Legion, I don't think it's a brilliant game, but it tries but something new. It was a new. big swing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. People don't like seeing bumps when they expect someone to swing for the fences, right?
0: Especially when the first game was just such like this major revelation from this studio you never expected to bring it, in, you know,
1: a company that had been making Killzone games for ten solid years at right.
0: that point. Again, I I don't really want to try and put too much, I, I I don't know. It's it's frustrating
1: to both. A lot of that first game's charm is in being unexpected, and you can't recreate that by yeah. producing something that is very much in the same mold with a right. major uh, new thing to hang a right. hat on. And all and all, those like old
0: style game features feel a lot older now. Like games have done better things with this at this point. Like, I think you made a sequel to Horizon in a vacuum. Like I think the last Uncharted game that came out way before this game has better climbing and jumping stuff than I've seen in this 2022
1: game. <laughs> it's the that's, a, that's an especially dangerous one because climbing has become such an emphasized feature in the time between these two games. Right. On the back of Breath of the Wild, completely rewriting the vocabulary of how characters move in open world games. Yeah. So, like, when one of the features you hang your hat on was worse than its arrival when it was new and hasn't improved drastically in a sequel five years later, you leave yourself in a very vulnerable position, so to speak. Yeah. I'll get get around to it. Like, I've Uh, been intending to get around to Horizon itself at some point. it's like, well, I have PS plus and that's part of the yeah. like instant collection. I'll get around to Horizon Zero done at some point. But like
0: eh. it's it's a very good game and it does a very good job of like building up to okay, what the hell happened to the world, how did it end up like this? And like the mm-hmm. revelations it gets to and the mysteries it leaves to like be answered in future games, which again is why I'm still gonna play through this game, because it's a very interesting world. Are very compelling and honestly, probably get you through some areas and quests that will probably don't look <laughs> as it would good be now. a bit questionably designed on paper. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. It's it's frustrating to both be enjoying a game but also be deeply disappointed
1: in the game. You know, Having a good time, but you keep seeing the game you wish it could have done. Right. Yeah, I've played plenty like that. <laughs>
0: uh in better news, I've been playing lots of Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel and that
1: Yeah, you played a bit
0: of that on shenanigans, right? Yeah, that as always is wonderful. Um I think I talked about it on shenanigans and I'll talk about it quickly again here and then let one of you guys talk. Um <laughs> is what I really like about that game and the other trails game I have played a good amount of Trails in the Sky is that although they are they have a lot of dialogue like a lot of JRPGs have you know in more recent years had it feels a lot less like a bunch of fluff than most of them do it's mostly meaningful world building and character building and not just for this one game but beyond and it's it's wonderful i can't i i I think i've been like picking this up and putting it down obviously since it came out and but it, it feels like i've finally made a forward progress and this is probably gonna be the year where i'm probably gonna play all four parts so We'll see how that goes, but obviously the first one is doing a lot of building up towards what happens, so it's it's probably I imagine going to be a lot slower than what the other games are, but it's starting to get towards uh, more interesting things and um, looking forward to it. Having a lot of fun. Combat is very good. Story is very ports, good. Yeah. Characters are very good. And only one more game after this, and then I can finally play the series on
1: Switch. Looking forward to playing uh, Trails of Cold Steel properly in like 2025 once <laughs> I've played through uh, Trails of Azure and Trails from Zero or whatever it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, since, since I've waited so long, I might as well just wait until after I've played the Crossbow game. Yeah. But I'll be grabbing, like, the Switch versions of 3 and 4 before they disappear into the ether. Uh, Let's see. So what have you been playing, Gaijin?
2: Well, I'm still playing Sophie 2.
1: How's that going?
2: Um, Well, it's coming out tomorrow, the embargo is lifting, and I am nowhere near the end. (laughs) (laughs) This is good. That's good. Um, it's also, I'm prepared to say, this is not only better than the original Sophie, it's probably better than both Ryza games.
1: Oh, wow. That's, okay. That's high so, praise. Um, People really like the Ryza. So, yep.
2: Yeah, so, speaking of, you know, noticing place, or noticing room for improvement and actually acting upon it. Best.
1: <laughs> I mean, like,
2: specific <laughs> items that I remember Sam and I were complaining about Ryza too. Um, this game does not have those issues. Excellent. And not just because it's a completely different game, it's or a completely different series, it is like focused in different ways and it's using things differently and it's handling returning protagonist has to remember old stuff a lot better than Rise of Two did. <laughs>
0: <sighs> uh, that said, do you really have to have, say, beaten. The original game to get a lot of um, this, or
2: it helps that you know who Sophie and Plakta are, and mm-hmm. um, the the point or the um, the opening segment of the story does kind of explain why they're going places. But other than that, no, I mean they'll make references to characters from the first game just randomly, but there's usually enough context to understand what's being talked about that's good and otherwise it's large i mean aside from sophie and plakta it is quite disconnected from the rest um, from the first game huh. interesting i mean this is generally a good thing um <laughs> i mean the exploration it works out differently the combat is much improved um social interactions there's like 11 or 12 major characters in the game and they're all i mean they've all got things to say things to do and it's out quite well oh yeah um and it's i mean i'm like 43 hours into it now and it's um I'm, i know where i'm going i'm I just have fun exploring side areas, because there are a lot of side areas in
1: the game. <laughs> mm. yeah. Well, that sounds good. I assume your Joy-Con hasn't returned yet?
2: Oh, no, it returned last Thursday. Sweet. Oh, nice. It's like the, the evening of the last podcast, yeah. <laughs> I just haven't, I mean, I recharged the Switch and then haven't actually done anything with it since just because I am You're waiting busy to. <laughs> yeah. Basically, I don't want to distract myself from Sophie just yet.
1: Oh, yeah, we had some, uh. There was some news that we were discussing last, uh. Since. From the countdown we were discussing last week.
2: Yeah, these news that we're not actually surprised to see, but it's really cool.
1: It's really cool, although there's one aspect of it, of it I'm surprised to see. So anyone who didn't notice, yeah, Soul Hackers too. Uh, mildly surprised that there is no switch version. Yeah. Coming out yeah, of that's everything. That's else. Weird.
2: I play, yeah.
1: I can it like not not to s- not as a dig, but it, it doesn't look like it shouldn't run on it, which is the weirder part. Yeah. But I guess we'll see. Maybe they, maybe they intend one at a later date, and just can't guarantee that one coming out at the same time as all the others yeah. they announced. Because this comes out in August, in yeah, both I mean, Japan it's and it's America. it's a delayed port, and they're going to announce it at some future
0: direct or something. Along, yeah, along, like that, along with the Persona Five port.
1: That's yeah. the dream. Let me dream. Dream the impossible. Yeah, I'm,
2: I've got. I'm getting both of those as soon as they're actually realized. Um.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Soul Hackers two, that's cool. Uh, did you see but the in...
2: uh, the Neo Grunyard post on the website?
1: No, no, I did not.
2: Um, apparently, uh, somebody just did not like the art direction.
1: Oh yeah, it's, it's a more modern art direction. It was never going to look like Soul Hackers one. It wouldn't even be possible to successfully recreate that because Soul Hackers one birthed in the 90s and is the most 90s aesthetic.
2: Oh yeah, and this is so definitely a definitely a, um, what do we call this decade now? Is it, are we, I mean We're in the roaring 20s again. I guess we're the blaring 20s or something now?
1: The misery 20s. uh.
2: Yeah. But yeah, um, so let's see, the comment is, and I quote This looks so cheap, dear Mama Teresa. Wow. it's like Soul Hackers One was a masterpiece. This looks like a hentai game. Dear gods.
1: Okay, I um... don't really have a lot of experience to discuss that on, but I mean. Oh no! I mean, like...
2: I, I was I mean I was about ready to go to sleep. I was feeling kind of cranky and loopy and talkative, So I just I posted once just before I went to sleep, and then my response was, "Can't say how much hentai you may have seen in your lifetime, but the fact that you can make this comparison suggests that it has not been nearly enough." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it does not look like a hentai game <laughs> at all
1: yeah it's 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 a modern looking game that, that was always how it was going to look it looks yeah. like it's probably using some of the it's happily it seems like it's probably reusing a lot of assets from smt5 yeah. which you know that's the whole point of blowing a shit ton of time and budget on making, like, a shit-ton of demons in Unreal Engine 4 is so that you can now reuse them and make these, like, weirder okay. offshoot games, like the PS2 one, era. One
2: thing, I did, one thing I did notice, they're using the, the other model for angels.
1: Interesting.
2: Because in in Megaton 5, they had the actual angelic-looking angel with the robes and the golden mask face and the halo, and... Mm. I saw in the trailer for Soul Hackers too that they're using the uh, more classic bondage angel.
1: Mm-hmm, image. The, mm-hmm.
2: it's like um like bikini and uh, and blindfold.
1: are so basically um, just made out of straps.
2: Yes. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. So yeah, we're we're definitely you we've definitely got a lot more character model or monster models in here. Mm. A lot more. And they're going yeah. and they're going with some of the ones that I'm i actually a little surprised that they're going back to those. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, I actually did like the design, it was just a bit risque.
1: Mm-hmm. It's one of those things, like, you can add that into... Uh, you, you can also just customize it to the aesthetic of the game when you have multiple uh, depictions of certain uh, creatures. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it, looks, it-, it looks fun. We haven't it does seen. Make
2: me also, hope that um, Soul Hackers gets past one of the major complaints ahead with Megaton Five, and that was just uh, the uh, breadth of the index,
1: <laughs> or lack thereof. Uh.
2: Yeah, we, we were missing a lot of the small fry demons, and a lot of the generics, and a lot of yeah. things that were really interesting. And in then. Like, Occasionally having like a major named entity as a NPC at one point in the game and then have them show up as generic mobs later on mm. and that's just that's like why <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, like we'll probably see those like filled out over the course of a few spinoffs which I'm hoping we end up seeing more of because uh always yeah but, yeah, like, I, I appreciate the return of Soul hackers because it reminds me of the uh, PS2 SMTs where you could just, like, re- see a series randomly come out of hibernation that you hadn't heard from in a decade. <laughs> so... I
2: mean, but that's the usual uh, Atlas MO, so it's nice to see it that Yeah, like but we
1: didn't see a lot of that in the PS3 era at all, or the PS4 era, if we're being honest, so... It's true. Yeah. It's nice to see it come back. Um... But yeah, like Soul Hackers 2, very, very specifically not Devil, not Devil Summoner, Soul Hackers 2, because this is not a Devil Summoner game by any stretch.
2: Um, I mean, uh, to the point. In the defining characteristic of the Devil Summoner games was more narrative, because they were all very detective story noir type. Mm-hmm. So I uh, haven't seen anything in this game yet that says that it is not like that.
1: I suppose, but it is also one of the rare ones where you don't seem to have demons as a primary constituency of your party.
2: Yeah, that's more, that's a throwback to some of the earlier games.
1: It's Digital Devils, and we haven't seen that basically since, like, Digital Devil Saga outside Persona.
2: Yeah, I was wondering when the last time was. I mean, like, Soul Hackers had two regular characters.
1: Yeah, you had your protagonist and you had Nemesa.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, the the earlier Mega Ten games had, like, up to three or four humans in a party at a time, depending on the plot.
1: Ah, uh, finally, so the, the first, law it, heroes here.
2: <laughs> yeah, or, no, I mean, just like the first chapter of, uh, Meg- of Shin Megami Tensei. Mm. You had your hero, the law hero, the chaos hero, and the heroine all in the party together, up until the time the nuke hits. Yep. Um, or, and then no, we a bit suddenly the season have season, many disagreements. But, yeah,
1: um... But yeah... That's uh, It's really neat to see. Uh, it seems like the, the protagonist is a the lady in this one. Well, at <laughs> so least Ringo
2: like. is the one that's most prominently featured. Yeah, the she, Ringo seems to be
1: the one that they've shown as seemingly the protagonist, which is, you know, it's not the most common, so it's kind of neat to see. Yeah. It's.
2: I mean, it could also just be a very strong ensemble cast.
1: It could be. But, you know, just from what we can tell, it's possible, which is, you know, not the most common. So it's kind of neat to see. Uh, I'm also assuming
2: that they're going to be doing the thing where the characters have a name, like the player's name inputted as their real name, but then they use their code names.
1: Oh, man. Because
2: none of those character names as given are actual names in Japanese.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean it's if you want a, to bring back soul hackers, like you might as well keep that as part of it as well.
2: I mean, technically Saizo is a given name in Japanese, but it is I mean, if you look it up, it's first the first thing that comes up is ninjas. So
1: it, it's the sort of Japanese. name you might also pull out if you're a dork.
2: <laughs> yep. Yep. So um but everything else is very definitely or de- very definitely has the appearance of something that's um like net internet It's your handle. hacker handle. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. That's, uh, that was, that was exciting. It's, I was glad it was not secretly a mobile game. Uh, <laughs> that oh, been that would have just, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that looks real cool. And it's, it's very exciting to see a game that uh, is not from a Nintendo Direct get announced and, and it's coming out this year. <laughs> Yes. We don't get that often either. So, yeah, very very excited. Uh, looks great. Coming to PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series, uh, Steam, all, like, the same, like, due to the international dateline, basically the same day as in Japan. Yeah. So, apparently it's digital only on Xbox. Uh, that is... That just seems like the logical thing to do, really. I I have no idea what kind of audience this kind of title has on Xbox. But traditionally, it hasn't been much of
0: one. It's like me and probably like one other guy. It's you. It's yeah. Eric RPG. Oh yeah, that's right. Like, Eric's Eric's an, an Xbox man. Yeah. But yeah. And no, like.
2: And no part of Japan is Xbox. No. So. Yeah,
1: I don't even know if the Xbox Series console has officially been released in Japan. <laughs>
2: I don't know I, I know I remember or remember last summer I actually went looking for Xbox stuff and it took me a while to even find a, a download card. cards. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that's rough. Okay, apparently it has been released in Japan and it's doing better than the Xbox One, although still not well.
2: I was gonna say that's not saying much.
1: Yeah, like it, it, it to put this in perspective it as of October had sold, which is to say, a little less than a year after it came out, it had sold 100,000 units across the Series X and Series S. And honestly, I'd be 100% willing to believe that the vast majority of those were Series S's, which are cheaper and much smaller. (laughs) But yeah, so yeah, it's, it exists, it's a niche, but it exists. Uh, yeah so that's I mean yeah it's 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 nice to see and it's nice that we don't have to worry about when it's coming or if it's coming it's just gonna be there and we can all worldwide enjoy uh, soul hackers too and the other uh, countdown that I was interested in may uh, announce something that is like laser targeted for me even though it has no RPGs in it whatsoever but I want to talk about it a little anyway, because I think it's yeah. really cool. Um, it's very cool. What's that? Street Fighter Six?
2: No, 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 not Street Fighter Six.
1: We knew that was so, going to so happen. We talked
2: about the fighting games a lot last week.
1: Yeah. So, so we knew Street Fighter Six was going to happen because, like, it's been an open secret that it's been in development for like three years at this point. But uh, they also announced, uh, what is this thing officially called? Capcom, um, like, fighting collection. Capcom, but it's a collection of like their, it's a collection of their weird old fighting games. Wait, when like the one,
2: did we talk about the string shenanigans? Yes,
1: we did. We did, and I'm gonna talk about it yeah. again. Okay. <laughs> because I care about rhetoric, even if no one else does.
2: That game sounded so weird. Looking it up.
1: Yeah. It's Warzard. Uh, it's it barely has a multiplayer component. It's coming to everything. It's never been ported.
2: Depending on the translation, it's either set in the 15th or 14th century or in the far future.
1: Huh. You know, just for fun. Huh. Uh, the the
2: Jap- Apparently the Japanese original story was like far future neo-feudalism with the magic yeah. component. Which is very much the, what the
1: aesthetic is.
2: Whereas the English translation decided to put in the an alternate magical version of the 14th century.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Japanese one because it's more interesting.
2: Much more interesting. But,
1: but yeah, it's it's a gorgeous game. It's not a great game, but it's neat. And also this collection has like some really cool stuff in it. Like you get the soundtracks, of course, but you also get like a bunch of the promotional art. They scanned the design documents for these games, which you do not see in collections that often.
2: Ooh, that's actually uh, worth that's actually worth noticing.
1: Yeah, like this is this is you know they've put in the effort to make sure that all of them have like proper net netcode, so you can actually play these games. Uh, like every single one of them has it. Unlike the original like Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection, where they, it was just the most beloved uh, games had it. Uh, now all of these games have it. Uh, this is secretly a Darkstalkers collection. Five of these are Darkstalkers games. With every single uh, arcade variation of Darkstalkers that ever existed, <laughs> uh, which is which includes things that like. So Darkstalkers was weird because you had Darkstalkers One, and then you had like Nar- Night Warriors, Darkstalkers Revenge. Those were those cleanly mapped to being Darkstalkers One and Two, and then you had like Vampire Savior slash Vampire Hunter and Vampire Savior Two, Vampire Hunter Two. Oh, sorry. And it's just, it's just weird... Like, they're weird. Like, collectively, you could call all of them kind of Darkstalkers 3, and also kind of none of them. And so, like, there is a PlayStation game called Darkstalkers 3 that is a weird mishmash of all three of them <laughs> that doesn't cleanly map to any of them. So a bunch of them have never had, like... I think some of them... Some version of each of them may have been ported to variously, like the Dreamcast and PSP. But, like... Of, they've never done like arcade perfect ports of all of these to my extent to my knowledge so like they're, they're very strange variants that a lot of people probably even Darkstalkers fans probably have very limited exposure to uh, also inexplicably inex- <laughs> but also very funny this is called Capcom Fighting Collection uh, one of these games is not a fighting game huh? Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo is in this oh yeah yeah, yeah 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 Right.
2: I mean it's got fighter in the title.
1: It does, but it is also the uh, the beauty of Capcom in the mid 90s being like our own naming convention sucks and we're going to make fun of it. Uh, there is no Puzzle Fighter 1. There has never been a Puzzle Fighter. There's oh. never been another <laughs> Puzzle Fighter.
0: What? I didn't know there wasn't a Puzzle Fighter 1. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo is just a joke on how many stupid variations of Street Fighter 2 there are. There is never a predecessor. Uh, but yeah. Um, and the fighting game spinoff of Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo, uh, known in Japan as Pocket Fighter and inexplicably repristened to the much longer and much less catchy super gem fighter mini mix, which is another, like it takes the like cute sprites that are fighting in the background of Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo and makes them into, it puts them into a very easy to pick up and play fighting game that has like very simple, uh, combos and has all of them doing like ridiculous, like fun, chibi, uh, sprite shit. So there's like, uh, so like, for example, Akuma has his like it's like thing where he just where uh, he's doing all sorts of moves to the opponent uh, while the screen goes black. In this game, it shows him doing them, but he's putting on like a silly costume every single time. Or like uh, Chun Li will do like combos where she dresses up as characters like Joe Valentine. Losing in a fight, like, has a ran- has a bunch of different random animations that can play. So, like, sometimes your character will die like a beat-em-up character, but sometimes they'll uh, explode like Mega Man. Just all sorts of, like, weird joke shit. There's, like, a one of my favorite backgrounds has uh, Rolento from Final Fight. He's, like, crawling through the background during the entire fight. And if you just sit there and watch him, he has, like, this really long animation set where he will crawl across the background and like he like retrieves something and then crawls all the way back <laughs> over the course of the fight it's very it's a very silly game it has really gorgeous art i i'm so glad that it's going to be re-released because it has not been officially re-released since the playstation one jeez wow so yeah like that's it's one of the coolest collections i've seen any company doing they've Uh, really put their all into it seemingly like you've got uh, like all these have you know good rollback netcode custom lobbies uh, training modes uh, achievements internal achievements not the just like trophies or whatever Uh, all the stuff you would expect the scans of the design documents official art the entire soundtrack's playable like it's a lot uh, it's a really good-looking collection. It comes out in June, so I'm really excited. Sweet. Uh, random aside, what is rollback netcode? So normally, way back, uh, for, for a very long time, and still sometimes you'll see this, uh, fighting games would have delay-based netcodes, uh, where basically the game would uh, delay input until it could like, essentially figure out what both players were doing and make sure that they were matched up. In rollback, it just lets you, you, you're just fighting, but it's going to, like, it's essentially predict, it's predictive. Like, it's, it will occasionally roll back to try to make sure that uh, the predicted version of what you were doing is what ends up reaching the other player. It makes it so that your inputs have much less lag on them, because it's making these, like, predictive choices. And you can get bad rollback netcode, you can get rollback netcode that when implemented improperly, you will see a lot of rollbacks. Uh, and that can happen, but in general, people really prefer Rollback Netcode because it makes the actual input experience much less laggy when playing Mm. on it. It generally makes it much easier to play people who are in other countries or who maybe have worse connections. Uh, Rollback Netcode is kind of the thing people clamor for with any new release. They get real upset when it's not in there. Uh, Yeah, so Rollback Netcode which, you know, people tend to like. 500 individual pages of art and design documentation, including some that have never been released before, so yeah. Very excited, it's very nice to see uh, a company really uh, put their all into uh, this release, and it's uh, this kind of retro-compilation. It's coming out on everything! We're we picking up the Switch version. I'm sure that it will end up the star of many post shenanigans, fighting games. When I decide that everyone must face me in Super Gem Fighter Mini Mix, I'm here for that. <laughs> but yeah, so just wanted to take an aside to talk about something that makes me very happy. To see. Uh, as for what I've been playing, uh, I've mostly actually been keeping the schedule clear. Uh, in preparation for Elden Ring, I don't want to commit to anything that I care too much about, so I've mostly uh, gone into full, like, randomly eat trash mode. <laughs> uh, Let's call it Raccoon to Mode. Think... Yeah, I suppose that's the polite term for it. Uh... <laughs> but, yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, what stupid stuff I pulled out that would, cro- like... I was playing Samurai Western a few days ago. I was—I uh, got onto a kick of remembering every game where a Japanese developer was like, what if we made a Western? So I was playing that. I was playing uh, Rising Xan, the Samurai Gunman. Uh, if you've never played either of these, both of them are worth looking into a bit. But at the very least, please look up the uh, theme song to Rising Xan. which has like its own ridiculous vocal theme. Uh... It's a a very strange artifact. Rising of Samurai Gunman is a PS1 action game made by UEP Systems. It's a largely forgotten company that, if you remember it all, you remember them because they made a bunch of snowboarding games on the PS1. That was about the only other thing they ever made. But Rising Xan is like a proto-Devil May Cry. You're like a cowboy who saw his, like, village destroyed... And then went to, uh, as the game describes it, Zipang, to train under a samurai, and so, and comes back to like liberate his town from essentially ninjas. Uh, it's ridiculous. It's very rid- strange, comedic, uh, extremely, extremely silly. It doesn't play perfectly, but it's it's a lot of. Fun. It's a very silly game, uh, and like I said, it, look up its theme song. It's kind of incredible. Uh, and you are, yeah, you're just a you're just a cowboy running around in like half a samurai outfit, half a cowboy outfit, uh, wielding a s- katana called Demon Slayer and a gun called Johnny No More. It's a very strange game. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, def- like, maybe not worth playing unless you're a connoisseur of old PS1 games, but absolutely worth seeing at least once. So maybe look that up on YouTube. Uh, I've played a bit of Samurai Western. That's a PS2 game. It's a, it's Technically, it's a spin-off of the way of the Samurai series, although it does not have the uh, openness of those games. It's a pretty strictly linear affair, but it is literally a game where I'm, I'm 100% certain that the entire design document was a drawing of a samurai cutting a bullet (laughs) because that, that is the core of the game. That is everything they want you to be doing essentially at all times. Uh, it's less overtly tongue in cheek than, uh, rising Zan, but it is, uh, a very silly game. Uh, very low budget, but it's it's pretty fun. Like it's a it's a fun thing to just mess around with. Pretty cheap if you ever find it. Uh, but yeah, silly little game released in the U.S. by uh, Atlas, originally developed by Acquire. As you would expect from a way of the Samurai spinoff. Uh, and a game that rewards you uh, that rewards you statistically for putting your samurai in matching types of cowboy outfits. So you have, like, the bad cowboy hat and the good cowboy hat, and, like, those have matching outfits that give you statistical bonuses, so that's fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, nothing important that's... Uh, samurai Western has RPG elements, but, you know, not really an RPG. But, yeah, that's, that's what I've been playing in preparation. I, I wanted to be playing things... That it would not feel bad to drop uh, when Elden Ring comes out, so that's what I've been doing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, speaking of that, uh, that game comes out uh, tomorrow slash the day after, depending upon your time zone. So, give me that's kind of been dominated. Yeah, it's uh. It's, it's looking good. Uh, I, I am looking forward to, uh, I don't know, probably getting absolutely fucking clowned upon by some large beast like 10 minutes in. So. Looking forward to it. But yeah, that's uh, that's what we've been playing. I think that's all the news. Uh, at least all the news that any of us cares about. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wheels did you want to talk up the new destiny expansion or anything Since that's what you seem to be playing
0: uh, yes and i'm gonna actually i am making a re- making a, a short return and then exit to review is to review the new destiny expansion
1: oh wow yes
0: that's not, been a long time not gonna say it was to save 40 40 bucks in a busy month of games hmm <laughs> Don't call it a comeback. I was never here. Yes, uh, but also there aren't a lot of Destiny people on this staff, so Some, someone has. Someone to. someone has to do this, and um, uh, so far it's very good. It's gonna be vibes of Destiny One's uh, very good Year Two expansion, which is <laughs> now that
1: we're in Destiny Two, you're like six. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> listen, Destiny Two has had a rough road of it but I'm always willing to... There's... The core of Destiny, which is in Destiny 2 and Destiny 1, still extremely good. It's just kind of the bits and pieces around it that they haven't managed to put together in Destiny 2 quite as well as they did in Destiny 1 just yet. Um, Is this the expansion where they do it? I doubt it, but there are some (laughs) niceties this time around, like... Um, it's at least moving in the right direction. You're going to yell at me, but you can play the campaign on a harder mode. Of for... course that's what you but, want. <laughs> but it's not just like, oh, you can play this on harder. It's, you, oh, you can play this on harder and you get better loot.
1: Yeah, that S- sounds like what I expect out of Diablo-style games. Yeah,
0: so there's a good incentive to it. I uh, wouldn't necessarily call this... Everyone likes to make the Diablo or Borderlands comparisons to this game, and I think it's very distinct. Um, because, but you know me, I'm very glad. Right, right. Because, like, those types of game, you're, games, you're, like, constantly presented loot, and, um, you know, like, managing that is, like, a constant process. And this is... You're constantly given utter garbage...
1: And you send it directly down the hole.
0: Right. And it's also in a much, much smaller volume than in those sorts of games.
1: Hmm.
0: And really, mostly you're going to find a weapon you like, and then you're just going to use those to upgrade that weapon, and that's it. You're not necessarily going to be using lots of different weapons and... Uh, it's not like you have to grind places for, like, specific superpowered loot. Most of the legendaries have quests associated with them, so if you want one of them, you'd go do that, or they're in a dungeon, or a raid. It's very, it's, um, I'd say it's a much smoother process than those sorts of games. Um, uh, but the, the mission's design so far has been very good as far as the story campaigns um, not sure what sort of act new activities they're going to have just yet we'll have to see about that but i mean it, it's mm. just the idea and what made the first game so good is that there's like activities you can do like every week and get your get cool loot and it just keeps you coming back cuz it's very fun and i just have yet to find like that sort of loop into that keeps me coming back like mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that this one's gonna have that but hope it,
1: springs eternal
0: it's so far very good and there's um there seem to be lots of tweaks and improvements so uh, we'll see <laughs> uh it's it's better than it was we're but again, I, I'm going to have to compare anything Destiny 2 to Destiny 1. And um, it's too soon to say that, but um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. They have added a new weapon, which I've been playing around with uh, since we've been recording. That's very cool. It's like a glaive that has a ranged attack, but you can also use it as a melee weapon. And unlike like the swords that you can get in Destiny, which require ammo... You can keep using the melee attack of this one, even if you're out of ammo for like the ranged attacks. So, uh, I'm that, that just really, seems like how it should really
1: function like with anything that's melee focused.
0: It, I agree, and apparently they've finally done so. So, uh, yeah, I'm digging that.
1: That's something.
0: So we'll see. Um, I'm hopeful. Um, I feel like since the divorce from Activision on on the whole, even though i haven't liked everything um it's well moved past like the lows of early destiny 2 so
1: on an uh, upward trend yeah uh,
0: yes on an upward trend will it ever be as good and as addictive as destiny one was uh i don't know, but it is still absolutely one of the best like live servicey games you can get out there so um for your health it's probably for the best that you're less addicted oh for sure uh but this when a new a new expansion is the best time to get to start destiny if you're going to do it because you will start off at like a a new minimum light level and a lot of the gear will go up very quickly from there like it's Hmm. one once unless they change it, like, this year, it's very grindy after that. Mm. Um, So if you start, like, way farther in, if you want to, like, do some of the newer activities with friends or just generally do some of the newer activities, you're going to have a lot of work to do. Again, unless they improve leveling. But um, Well. we'll see. So um promising um the the, i will say the one nice thing about this story-wise is we're finally getting things they've been building up to have are finally being reached like even some of the past major expansions haven't really done that sort of thing like this is specifically a character that is a sister to the main villain in destiny one oryx in that big expansion and they've been kind of really building to this point for um i want to say probably the second year of destiny 2 so it's it's been a long time coming so it could be like i said it could finally get to a point where it's at least grabs me as well as the first game did, but um, we'll see. I have switched since every every character gets bumped up, I have switched classes because I was getting bored with uh, the class I've been playing for a long time, so uh, my enthusiasm could be just that. We'll see after after a while. All right. We'll see what. Happens. I have bored you all enough with destiny talk. <laughs>
1: let's do some fire. Okay. Miner I talked about Street Fighter for like ten minutes. It's fine. <laughs> uh, it's your see. destiny to listen to me rant. There, I'm done.
0: Done. Done. Done.
1: Okay. Uh, so there's been some discussion in the Discord. Uh, Fireminer was mentioning. Uh, yeah not debating you, but I just want to rectify your point about not many developers just coast along. These people exist, but they are usually smart enough to not show their faces. He brings up some specific people from Blizzard who I don't know well enough to speak on because I don't want to uh, suddenly uh, speak. Uh, I, I don't want to end up getting uh, libelous. Uh, the Yeah, I mean, when you bring up anyone at Blizzard, you're going to be fraught with. Uh, especially someone who reached a higher-up position at Blizzard, you're going to be fraught with, oh, uh, okay, uh, some some dangerous waters there from any perspective, but also bearing in mind that uh, the specific projects mentioned, uh, such as Warcraft 3 Reforged, also seem to have been Uh, Heavily internally dicked around in terms of how much money and time they were actually going to have to be made, which is kind of the opposite of what coasting allows, uh, of what you're able, when you're able to coast on a project. But can't speak to that. Don't know Blizzard too well. Uh, Let's see. Uh, And then Fireminer has some questions. Of
2: course.
1: It's always nice. Uh, I know that Halloween's a long way off, but here are some questions about horror quote-unquote games. Uh, I'm surprised that besides PETA, no one has tried to make a game parodying Pokemon. Uh, it's going to depend upon how direct a parody you're going to look at. No one making... It's an,
2: it's an entire genre.
1: Yeah, like no one, no one making a commercially released game is likely to make as direct a parody as something like PETA's Pokemon parody, because like the rules on parody are really complicated and different between countries. That's a that's a big part of it actually. Like rules in yeah. parody rules in the US are not the same as parody rules in Europe are not the same as parody rules in Japan. So you have to make very broad What's that? <laughs> you can get away with a lot of stuff in Japan. Hmm. Yeah, you can get away with very specific things in Japan that you can't get away with in the US and that you can't get away with in Europe. And like the because like the rules of Parity in the U.S. always, uh, you know, the ones I can speak of with any degree of knowledge is basically for parity to work, it has to technically... for parody to be how you describe a work. It's going to depend upon how much you took, uh, how much your uh, game, your resultant product is aimed at the same uh, at a different audience. Like if your product would uh has a completely different audience from the original product that makes it much more legally defensible uh how much the product is something that the original producer may have at some point intended to make uh if it's something that the original producer would never make then obviously it's much more likely to be considered defensible and how much does it function as commentary on the original work in some fashion all of those are complicated, squishy legal definitions that open you up to all sorts of lawsuits. So, really direct parody games are really, really dangerous, especially if you intend to try to make money off of them. Uh, just think about an Overlord-style game where you control the Pokémon to brutally murder humans, because let's just face it, Pokémon can be deeply terrifying. This is just the point Arceus is trying to make. Ar- Arceus is built around reminding you that wild Pokémon are as terrifying as a wild animal uh and that humans in order to coexist with pokemon they need to learn to uh treat them as equals in order to like build the more idyllic pokemon world that exists in the current games but yeah like uh yeah like if you wanted to do directly like here is obviously pikachu murdering people like you're putting yourself at in because like, not only do you have to le- you have to do a lot of work to legally prove that, but like, you're also putting yourself I- in danger of getting very harassing lawsuits from Nintendo about it. Because like, as with any kind of lawsuit, only like a tenth of it is going to end up being "Are you legally in the right?" It's also "Can you afford to prove it?" <laughs> and very few companies that would be interested in making this kind of product can actually afford to prove that they're legally in the right. So yeah, that's that's probably the bigger reason why we don't see these kinds of direct parity games. The li- the only ones I can think of are truly hellishly unfunny uh, 90s PC games. Does anyone, does anyone remember Parity Interactive? Nope.
0: Do they make Pissed?
1: Yeah, they made Piss. Nice. Featuring, I think, John Goodman as the king of Mist Island. Excuse that me, Pissed Island. The hell were some of the other ones they made? They made Microshaft Windblows. Wind Blows. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was the other one? Uh, they made, like, three things. Uh... There was Microshaft Shaft Wind Blows, there was Piss... Uh... Star Warped, because, remember, people enjoyed the existence of Star Wars. Um, and uh, the X-Fools, which really dates this to a very specific point in time, when people cared about the X-Files. Um, and they oh, threatened a to right. sequel to Piss called Driven. <laughs> Sorry, was that?
2: I assume X-Schools was an X-Men parody. That's how. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because, like, why would you immediately think of X-Files <laughs> in this day and age? Yeah.
2: I know, I mean, Yoke okay? watched it the Y-Files.
1: Oh, yeah, so good. Yeah, so good.
2: Y-Files. But they also did, so good. But they did it better, too. It's
0: true. Yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah, P- pissed was probably the closest of these to having like an actual useful parodic intent because the joke behind pissed was that like uh, a- after every player had like half solved every puzzle and missed, like the island was a horrible cess pit, <laughs> and like that's that's actually kind of a joke. But then every other actual joke within the game sucks ass. <laughs> um, it does have the benefit of. Uh, John Goodman singing a song about being pissed off, called Pissed. which is not a good that. song, but funny. <laughs> the
0: concept is funny, so I appreciate it.
1: And also, just like hearing him just belting out, "Oh, I'm pissed," is very amusing. <laughs> not for any like good reason, but it's just like, oh he's it's John Goodman, and he's putting his all into it for no real reason. It doesn't. How much it. did he cost them? I wonder. <laughs> I would assume most of the budget. But, yeah, like you know, it's, whatever you want to say about the man, he's always uh, he's always putting his all into basically everything. Yeah. He honestly is much better than the material he has.
0: It's very but, good in the Great Lebowski. The,
1: the big Lebowski. The big. I'm striking out today. He was very good. <laughs> this is he was also this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. He was awesome. All... <laughs> he was
0: also I very will good. Never at the stop referencing
1: Lusky. the TV edit of, <laughs> of <Lusky>. god. <laughs> oh my god! Anyone, I think I've referenced it before here, but anyone who does not remember or has never checked it out, please go look up the uh, the scene of him smashing a car. It's the big Lebowski for the TV edit because they have some very creative ways to try to paper over, uh, try to paper over some uh, very hardcore swearing that wouldn't just fly on TV. Uh, one of the what happened when you
2: heard about, about TV's um, TV and trying to deal with what was on the dialogue for a movie was um, the story the story this guy was telling about watching the devil's advocate late at night with the captions on yeah um, and just watching the guy typing the closed captioning trying to keep up with the devil's speech at the end <laughs> and and apparently if you could just watch the guy um, i mean just through the typing of the closed captioning slowly w- watch the guy going what the hell am i actually writing here <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, this, in this case, it's like... In the original line, he's, he's saying the, the very blue, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass. Uh, in the TV edit, it's, it's like... He keeps saying, like, weirder, nonsensical things. It's like, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. This is what happens when you feed a stranger scrambled eggs. It's very, <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about, sir? Uh... It's not as funny, like, I think the funniest TV edit uh, might be Die Hard 2. Uh, which uh, actually dubbed over a character's name to rename him Mr. Falcon. Oh, I thought you were going to say so
0: yippee ki my friend or something.
1: Yeah, no, it turned into Yippee-ki-yay mister Falcon. <laughs> so it, it gave another character <laughs> it dubbed over that character's name so that that line would make sense well oh, it's terrible it's beautiful uh that that line also has like that one i think is also the one where like someone gets uh it, there's like a bit where uh like do you have any words for the press and it's like he's supposed to say fucking you uh and he some they somehow arrived at him saying joke and you <laughs> it's like excuse me
2: joke on you <laughs>
1: He just says joke and you. But yeah, and then and then of course there's the uh, there's the infamous uh, Die Hard three uh, sandwich board that has been replaced uh, that has had its uh, line repli- the things written on the sandwich board has been replaced with I hate everybody. Is, uh...
2: They should have just blurred it out. Um, just, like, made it really obvious that they were blurring something out and
1: let everyone just assume. Yeah, uh, that would have made way more sense. But no, they, they replaced it with I hate everybody. <laughs> and just the idea of getting offended at someone walking around with a sandwich board and says I hate everybody is incredible. Uh, but yeah, uh, we've we far departed the <laughs> discussion the question
2: uh usually have
1: yeah on the chance that parody is made how likely would Nintendo or Game Freak spend a season assist yeah we kind of covered this they would immediately do it because they I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out something uh from way back in the day uh if anyone ever played uh Conker's Bad Fur Day uh there is a scene where a bunch of weasel mobsters Uh, are having a discussion and, like, one of them gets beaten to death with a baseball bat. Originally, uh, Rareware's intention was that uh, you wouldn't see Pikachu, you would see a tail that looks like Pikachu's. And then, off-screen, it would be implied that Pikachu was beating a weasel to death with a baseball bat. (laughs) And that was, like... There's a lot of shit in that game that Nintendo let through. That was the one thing that they asked Rare to hold back on. When you get to something like Pokemon, where its reputation and its brand are really, really important, Nintendo would come down on them with every legal avenue they had. It would not matter how much it fit the definition of parody they would just like the the litigation would be swift and furious the only, if they thought that they could not win the litigation they would probably end up doing what they did with the super horny brothers. for those unaware of their like weird obscure nintendo reactions to uh 80s american pornography uh, Nintendo <laughs> realizing that they would have issues, not wanting to draw attention to the this like Super Mario Brothers theme pornography, but also fearing that they would have issues successfully uh, suing it, they just bought the rights to them and sat on them to make sure they could not be re-released.
2: <laughs> that's the proper way to avoid the stryzand effect.
1: Yeah, like it's just like, don't sue them. Then people will know about them. Don't do anything. Buy them and never let them be seen again.
3: <laughs> yeah, but there's probably someone out there who still has them and is probably thinking, no, I should upload this to Pornhub or X Hamster.
1: Like people, it, it, it was an entire, the first one people were able to get hold of I think they actually caught, they bought the rights before the second one even released, because I remember decades back there was like a internet like search to try to find these fucking things and it didn't happen. Uh, yeah, they they they've, they've been very careful about it. Uh. I don't have the rights to destroy this bot in Wielton's chat. Oh, I get it. Um, I get it. Maybe. I actually actually found a Reddit
2: post saying that you may have it.
1: Yeah, people, people have been people looked for two at the very least. But yeah. By the way, hello. Hello. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Also, about
3: here in New Mexico.
1: It was snowing a few days ago here in Seattle. It was Um, 60 degrees here today. I'm jealous. It was
3: 60 degrees here yesterday.
1: (laughs) What? Temperatures are complicated and horrifying. Especially Uh, in
3: New Mexico, where, you know, one part of the state could be like 100 degrees. The other part of the state could be like 80 and snowing, you know? And yes, I do mean 80 and snowing.
1: I Don't like that. I don't like that sound at all. <laughs> um let's see. Well also I mean we about... do have
3: high elevation, you know. I like where I live, we're yeah. over a mile high. Up north it's even higher. Let's
1: see. Also about Arceus. I'm starting to think the way the Pokemon games draw humans are very bland. Is it because they want to take as little attention away from Pokemon as possible? No, 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 no. What do you think about it? I think they're usually, like, they're identifiable, but they're very broad strokes kinds of characters, in part because
2: there's a huge
1: art... Yeah, there's a huge... Like, there's so much more... Like, every Pokemon game, like, you know, you're dealing with all these Pokemon models that have to move... Like, they, they are all very different models that can't really rely on the same sets of skeletons, so you need to cut where you can, and one of the places you can cut is like making people relatively simple. And like, mm-hmm. you know, conservation of detail means the characters that are gonna look unique are going to be the ones that are important. So like your background dummies, they're just gonna they're just gonna look like people. It's just they're gonna be built off a paper doll set, basically.
2: Yeah. I mean, and part of it is also just complimentary to Moto's artwork to begin with.
1: Yeah, he Ken Sugimori has a pretty C-Mori. Yeah, he has a, he has a pretty norm like a, a pretty simplistic art style for how he draws humans to begin with and so they translate that into 3D. But yeah, I I can see getting tired of it. I personally have no problems with it. I think it's charming, but I mean, you know, different strokes. Uh And again, could prob- uh, probably be because a lot of these children-centric franchises like Zoids, Digimon, Yokai Watch adopt a relatively simple and positive art style. Do you imagine someone making a children's game with a JoJo art style? You can barely animate JoJo like that. stuff's <laughs> so complicated.
2: They have so uh, much what... fun doing it anyway.
1: Oh yeah, like but there's a reason that no one even tried it until like the manga had been a sustained success for twenty years.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, other than an OVA, which were infamous for the which one simplified the art style, and two was infamous for you know OVAs are where you put projects that have a lot more budget than a TV episode.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Or budget that's uh, those... going to go
3: to die. Uh, look at <laughs> handmade handmade my. <laughs>
1: The, those 90s uh jojo obas actually had a uh, famous uh beloved anime director osamu Dudaki on them
3: oh, um oh there's another one where it didn't even get to the third episode before they killed it um dan gaio oh, the original episodes. dan gaio.
1: yeah yeah i mean there were a lot that, like the number of incomplete obas uh as like is it, it's wild it's, there's a lot of them. um Wasn't, or maybe I'm misremembering. I could have sworn to thought he was on JoJo OVA, but I'm not seeing any credits, so maybe I'm misremembering. But, yeah. Uh, a lot of, yeah. OVAs, like, run the gamut from this died in two episodes to Legends of the Galactic Heroes, so. <laughs> uh, which, for those unfamiliar, has, uh, depending upon how you're counting, somewhere between 110 and 150 OVA episodes yikes but that was a that was a very special series that was also uh in part uh essentially working on a more tv-like budget and essentially selling the ovAs in season batches to various satellite providers in japan over time but uh yeah uh in, in general uh Complicated designs are not good for anything that you have to make a lot of or anything that you have to make move in a complicated fashion. Uh, which is one of the many reasons that Pokemon has always been uh, more focused on making uh, attack animations that are modular and do not incorporate the way that the Pokemon itself has to move because, uh, you know, instant a uh, combinatorial explosion. If Squirtle has to do Water Gun differently than War Turtle, than Blastoise, than Greninja, suddenly you have created a situation where uh, you either have to cut down the amount of moves so that uh, each Pokemon only ha- each type only has like five, or you have to make it so that the animation is stock and largely interchangeable between every type uh but yeah um which
2: is why like for example, in XY the flying battles had to exclude specific flying Pokemon because there's no way to fit their animations to it
1: yeah, it's just not gonna look right uh but yeah they they, they the 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 simple art styles are also I think an attempt to one of the things kids really like doing is drawing their favorite characters if you make a simple looking character that your children can draw they will grow more attached to the character
2: oh yeah this applies to all of level five stuff as well
1: yeah that, that's why i thought to bring it up because like they like FireMiner brought up yokai wash and like yeah that has a art style that you know hey you can you can probably draw at least a silhouette of Jibanyan. yeah oh
2: yeah oh funny story a couple months ago uh, in one of my athletics classes they Like just before class, apparently one of them was trying to copy a sketch of the goalie kid from the early in Eleven series.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And um,
0: I'll be right back.
2: I mean, he needed to work in he needed to work on his art class homework. uh, Just say, (laughs) like, no, no, guys, you guys start. Okay, start with the shapes, and then I just talked them through drawing this very blocky character. And Mm. they were just like, "How in the world did you copy it that well?" (laughs) <laughs> gotta just look at the shapes dudes look at the shapes yeah
1: i mean nice that's, kids that's kids a right? hard thing for kids to figure out yeah and like yeah that that's one of the reasons that a lot of these will have characters with very strong silhouettes made from very simple shapes
2: i mean that's the entire philosophy behind simpsons designs yep. you want to be able to recognize any given character just from the silhouette
1: yep Strong silhouettes make characters much more uh, identifiable. They make them stick in people's minds. Like, a lot of, you know, beloved characters end up being ones with really strong silhouettes. There's a reason that uh, Disney can basically sue you on the basis of having uh, three circles arranged properly.
2: Because the way they've designed it, Mickey Mouse always shows that silhouette, no matter which direction he is facing, and how nonsensically it makes his ears go.
1: That that act, thats one of the things that makes it incredible. I love the fact that they actually—they had to find a way to recreate that failure of perspective in three D models.
2: Well, it's one of the things I notice every time my daughters are watching Mickey Mouse, whatever the current series is—is is they, it's like. His ears. Despite how bad it is. They're like five years old and two and a half. They didn't care that much six months ago. So. <laughs> oh, you didn't care. Well, you may have cared. Oh, I, I cared because uh, you know how it is when a two-year-old decides that she absolutely has to watch the exact same show over and over and over again. Yeah. I have seen My Little Pony's Friendship is Magic
3: more times than I can count, and that's been at least a good eight years of, lot of it.
1: Yeah, ask Wales how deep. many. Uh, once Wales gets back, back, ask him how many times he's seen the cars movies. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you know the, those kinds of the you you you'll find this all over. Like uh, Goku's hair in Dragon Ball kind of has the same set of perspective sheets, but. Uh, <laughs> Mickey's does, except that it's allowed to be mirrored, but that's about it. Um, the, but yeah, like, those kinds of, like, make a strong silhouette, make something that is a simple enough shape that children can draw it recognizably, like, those are, those are considered very important to these children's franchises. And, you know, I I love, I love Hirohiko, Hirohiko Araki's uh, art style, but it's nearly impossible to, amu- to animate. Like, it's, it's required years and years. JoJo does not move that much relative to a lot of shows. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's still, like, a very complicated art style uh, that actually gets more complicated over time, which makes it more dangerous. Um, but, yeah... Uh, you know, like it, it's just one of those things where you don't uh, you don't see it that much. Uh, the corollary to this question being, uh, he also asked which games use the disparity between the art style and the story to make an artistic impression. The first thing I can think of is, does anyone remember the PS2 game, The Mark of Kree?
2: I remember hearing the title.
1: It was a Sony game, uh, it makes strong use of, like, a sort of Polynesian aesthetic, as I recall. But, uh, more importantly, uh, it has, uh, it has, like, a sort of Disney-inspired animation style. But it's also mind-bogglingly violent. Hmm. (laughs) So it's a game where, like, one of the first things that's gonna happen is you're going to, like walk up to an you're going to walk up to a guy and uh your character is going to grab him from behind unsheath his sword and do like this gorgeously animated like spinning move that utterly decapitates this enemy huh? and causes their head to go flying into the air and their and blood to spurt out of their neck. Hmm. And uh, it's it's a neat little game. I don't think many people really remember it, but yeah, Mark Marco Mar- Cree is of Yeah, Marco Mar- Cree is the first thing I would think of when I think of a game deliberately doing that kind of art style despair.
3: I will admit I own some really obscure PS2 games. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this game didn't sell to expectations, I'll put it that way. One of the last weapons you get in it is a giant battle axe, and that just that just turns the gore to eleven. Like you're gonna like vivisect half the things you get that. So the game goes from fairly violent to incredibly violent (laughs) in the last few stages. So
3: are we talking like bayonetta level violence, or are we talking Mad World? levels
1: of violence somewhere in between the two okay but yeah with with like a a smaller amount of blood dispersion than either just by virtue of the fact that like it would be technically taxing <laughs> but yeah
3: yeah most people forget that blood mad world actually exists
1: yeah it's, it's a neat little game though and that that's also one of the striking art style although not like a surprise per se surprising one given what it's doing but yeah
3: that is true i mean i mean a game that is pretty much entirely in black and white except for blood
1: yeah it's kind of a it's it's it feels like it's got sort of an underground comics vibe to the way that it's visuals go. it sounds like sin city it's definitely biting some of that style. It's, it's a weird game. Uh, it was one of Platinum's first games. It's kind of a sequel, like a pseudo-spiritual like spiritual successor to God Hand, but it's like points-based, and it has a plot written, at least in part, by Yasumi Matsuno, which it's one of the first things that he did after leaving Square, and also one of the last things he's really done.
3: No, no, he, he wrote the entire. Fi- uh, well, if you're talking like lead story for a game, I can see that. But I mean, he, he gets brought in for a lot of projects over at Square, just he's not like in charge of projects.
1: Well, well what I was going to say was like, uh, you can't lure him into making a full game. You can get him to do like raids in FF14 or like. Uh, he he was pulled on Crimson Shroud, which was part of Level 5's Guild series, and, like, that was a short little game that they could get him in. Uh, the the most consistent thing they ever got him to do after that was the Tactics Ogre remake. But, like, in, in general, it's just been, it's very hard to get him to commit to larger projects. Uh... I think, uh, if, if there's anyone I think has ever been broken by a development cycle, I think F of 12 broke Yasin yes, now. But, yeah. i um, trying to think of other games with, like, really striking art-style contrasts. But nothing's immediately coming. Uh, it's a non-gaming example to the above question. Wonder shows and watch it and prepare for the nightmare. But I noticed these kinds of things were made for cynical adults and the kids still find a way to like them. Which brings us to question, how the hell did Five Nights at Freddy's manage to be so popular with kids? Kids like being scared. I'm not sure if...
2: It's like being like... scared and they have experience with Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Yep. Kids like
3: stupid things. My, my son, my youngest son, six finds it really funny when he dies in video games mm-hmm. <laughs> so like um we picked up the crash bandicoot racing on the playstation yeah so he so and he will purposely drive the people you know the carts into water to drown them and, and he'll just find it funny that he can do yeah. that yeah
1: like... play work
2: this out they first and then yeah
1: the other thing to maybe bring up in five nights of freddy's case is that it was a game where all of the violence was implied enough that children could get hold of it
3: yeah the other thing is people like watching other people get scared mm.
2: mm-hmm. also true.
0: True.
1: yeah but yeah like to, to an extent children like being scared they they like being comforted after being scared but they as long as they know that they are not in actual danger. Just like adults, kids like being scared sometimes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, what are some examples of child-friendly horror franchises? And not just limiting to games.
2: Uh, first thing that comes to mind is anything by John Belair's, the author. It, no, um, he died that in like 1992 or so but he left a bunch of notes and a friend of his has been uh, fin- slowly finishing up his books for years now. Damn. I have no idea if he's still doing it, but it's uh, I do know that the series I thought was just a trilogy has at least seven books.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, did you uh, see the? Um, there was a movie with Jack Black a couple years ago the uh, The House with the Clock in its Walls?
1: No, I didn't see that.
2: Well, that's based on one of the books that, um, one of John Belair's books, and it's, honestly, it's a really fun adaptation. Hmm. Um, definitely the definitely the post-Harry Potter generation of, type of adaptation, hmm. but um, it helped, it actually improved the book a bit. Um, but yeah, John Belair's wrote what, what you could basically describe as middle school gothic horror.
1: Mm-hmm. Something to graduate to after reading. Yeah,
2: yeah, I
3: mean, I was going to bring up Goosebumps. Which is
1: one of the most successful franchises of all time.
2: And a different Jack Black movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was the thing that I was immediately like, when you start talking about Jack Black, I was like, I mean, Goosebumps is obvious, but no, you pulled up something that was a bit more... uh, A bit more outside my wheelhouse. But yeah. Uh, Yeah, you know, you get the... Like, any, any franchise where violence, where the actual, like, unpleasant consequences are more implied than shown can kind of fall into this. Uh, but then, of course, you'll, you'll also just get a lot of, like, children's media that is, like, spooky-themed, and then, like, we get into the question of, like, does that count as horror? But, mm-hmm. you know... Like, there's there's always, uh, you know, for the same reason the kid loves Halloween, they're going to love certain aspects of these kind of horror franchises.
2: And then there's the occasional children's cartoon I remember from the 80s where I have to think, okay, how was this ever marketed to children?
1: Yeah, then you'll get those. That's just like, what were you doing, sir?
2: (laughs) Oddly enough, at least one of the Care Bears movies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the one on? with the med, the one with the mad scientist who's turning kids into frog slaves. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Yeah, and
3: I watched a lot of them.
1: There's always a deeper rabbit hole.
2: It was one of the first Care Bear movies.
3: <laughs> no, they weren't like they weren't frogs, but they were they were definitely like minion type things
2: yes yeah they were i mean i, I just remember them as looking vaguely froggish.
3: i never caught i never pictured them that way so i would have to go back and watch it i know which one you're talking about now uh,
2: kind of uh, limp bodied kind of looked like they were they weren't so much moving as just kind of oozing over the place um,
3: kind of grayish. kind of
2: greenish gray skin and kind of limp everything Yeah, it was just it was like a yeah. humanoid frog to me yeah,
3: I do remember the one you're talking about now. Um, my personal yeah. favorite Care Bear movie was uh, Care Bears in Wonderland, only because of the Mad Hatter song.
2: Uh, no, you like no hats? One,
3: and no one seems
2: to remember Care Bears in Wonderland when I tell them about it. I'm mad about hats. Thank you. Yes. yes. Okay, I I, actually, I, did, I did remember that one from way back when, and it was entertaining. Yeah. But, wow, you just took me back about 30 years. I'm, I'm just about, I'm
3: a little bit older than that, cause that would have been about 35, because I was in Hawaii at the time, so I would have been 30, it would have been 36, or no, 35, 34 years ago, yeah.
2: I'm just, I have no idea when I actually saw it, because it was almost certainly something that my grandmother taped off of, like, uh, Nickelodeon or something, and my family I only remember
3: have. it because trans- I watched Transformers the movie the same year, and also, <laughs> Also, Care
2: Bear's uh, Nutcracker. <laughs> I've not seen the Nutcracker one. The Nutcracker so. one's pretty good. Yeah, currently we're getting all of the Tom and Jerry random movies. Like, there's the Willy Wonka Tom and Jerry movie that literally paraphrase, um, not to paraphrase, it directly quotes the uh, original movie.
3: Well, it's it's leading up to the 3D Tom and Jerry movie coming
2: out. Oh, there's certainly. The 2D
3: yes. 3D oh, movie?
2: Which did come out, yes. Oh. So now I, there's renewed interest. The over here.
3: Yeah, and so it, um, because of something like that, of course, there's now renewed interest in
2: Tom and Jerry. Hmm. I mean, there was never not an interest in Tom and Jerry over here. They you can buy any of the dvds for the old cartoons and like dollar stores even so uh, it's been always been pretty popular over here
1: end up swinging to the opposite end of the spectrum, cut this one down to avoid particularly uh, connotations. Uh, Let's see, other than Silent Hill and a few less famous examples, which, uh, what games can you think of set in a set in a way to represent the character's bizarre uh, sexual hang-ups? It's really not something you see a lot of in games. Bayonetta. I don't think that's Bayonetta's Hang-Ups. That's the developers <laughs> of Bayonetta's hangups.
2: Um, Planet Laika. Oh,
0: when God. Such a weird game. The,
2: the, it was, it's a bit, this, I mean, we've we've covered it as an RPG, but it's really more of an adventure game, and the main character is suffering from massive dissociative personality disorder. hmm
0: like
2: Massive. Massive. And to the, I mean, to the shape-shifting level. Uh, but, um, other than that...
1: Yeah, I can't think of any, like... De- dealing in, like, sexual hang-ups is a pretty rare bit of subject matter for most games.
2: I mean, outside of the indie etchy arrow game.
1: Yeah, like, that's the other thing, is that, like, when you're, when you're dealing in that, you're also usually dealing in... Uh, the kind of person that wants to tackle that is as often the kind of person that wants to uh, fetishize it, so...
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean you're you're looking at etchy or, or straight up hentai games for a question of that nature.
1: Yeah, most companies aren't going to bankroll that shit because the odds of it getting rejected due to ESRB concerns or just platform holder not liking it or, are very high. Or even
3: high. or even in Japan, uh, what what I forget their rating
2: system, but I know they have a rating system Zero. too. Yeah, Sarah. And this leads me to point out that Toshi and Toshi did somehow get a 3DS port.
1: Yeah, yeah. Speaking well, I mean,
2: of comic, fetishes, I mean, Comic <laughs> Party
3: managed to get a you know several ports to like Dreamcast and PlayStation as well.
1: A lot of them, you would like, you know, you of course just end up seeing like we just cut away at this scene, and you just draw your own conclusions. Yeah, they were cut
3: away from the scene, and or they, um, or they just. Redraw the characters it with the clothes on, or, yeah. draw, or in some cases they do draw completely different scenes.
2: Yeah. yeah,
1: depends upon how much budget they think, how much of a chance they think it has of reaching a larger audience.
3: And what's interesting is two of the um, two of the big favorites from the '90s are actually now don't even, you know, do that stuff, um, which is key animation, key animation. The makers mm. of Clanad uh, and Air and such,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and then um, the people behind Fate Stay Night and Melty Blood,
1: Type Moon. Type Moon,
3: yeah, Type Moon. I mean, they both start out as etchy hentai companies, as far as uh, sort of doujin yeah. style games.
2: Well, mm. I mean, it should be noted that for at least for especially Clanad and uh, Fate Stay Night, and also a lot of the Aqua Plus stuff. I love Aqua um, Plus. Another one, yeah. Yeah, those, those three companies. The the main point for including the etchy stuff in their games was because they were making it for the um, the indie PC audience in Japan, and that kind of thing was expected.
1: That's the only game, only game in town.
2: So they were playing to their crowd, but they were doing it in such a way that it was easy to remove or literally excise objectional material before it got uh, or whenever they actually managed to get it put on anything besides the PC. And well, then I'm, they more, hit I'm more talking they about now,
3: now the companies,
2: you know, have completely moved away from it. Um one of the best yeah, um, that's one of the Yeah, they one went the, main uh, oh sorry. But, I mean uh, their popularity went mainstream to the point where they didn't have to worry about appeasing the PC demographic anymore. Oh no Yeah,
1: they don't they don't even really make PC games at this stage. Um That does remind me that I am eternally amused by the uh, trajectory that fate took where it started out as technically hardcore porn, removed the hardcore porn, and then turned into softcore porn by way of gotcha. But, yeah. Um, um, we lost yeah. wheels. What? We That's lost bad.
3: <laughs> Look at him.
1: <laughs> oh, he's just fallen asleep completely. No, you're completely asleep. Lost.
2: It had to happen sometime. Okay.
1: Your your face is asleep. Okay, I thought I thought that that meant that you had cut out, and then it was going no. to be. well. None of this is going to be anymore. But uh, let's see, um, yeah, no, yeah no. let's let's wrap this up so that we all can He just to doesn't
3: care about the particular lines of this conversation. it's correct.
1: Fair enough, fair
3: it's like us talking about Super Robot Wars.
0: Oh God, what are you doing? We can't.
1: That's not allowed this late at night. We did not actually discuss that. Um, yeah. yeah. Let's see. I think of asked about America's weird puritanical stance on uh, violence versus sex. Does this extend to horror games? Like I said just before, there seems to be few horror games built around themes related to sex. Why is this? It's extremely personal. Mm. <laughs> I, the it more does, th-
3: it does exist, um, I know of things. I am not going to say any names, any companies, any games. I do know of things. I have seen things. I've played a few things. I'm not going to bring those up ever again because I don't want to remember them.
0: Well, that kind of sums it yeah, up. Yeah. So there's
1: like, there's like a million reasons that this is a dangerous line, aside from the like getting it approved for release on any of the major consoles, and not the least of which is. It's extremely like it's extremely personal, which means that you're going to run into situations where like a character is going to have hangups where you're, you straight up can't understand them, and that actually takes people out of horror in a lot of senses.
3: And it's usually uh, very fetishy.
1: Yeah, it's, it's very hard to. Oh, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just I, gonna say it's very hard to approach that material without essential, even if you don't intend to, without accidentally just creating fetish material. Um. But yeah, like it, it's just one of those things. Like it's, it's a, it is a dangerous path, and most companies that like you you will find it in indie projects. We'll go with indie projects, but any major company just sees this idea and says this is dangerous there are so many ways this can go wrong uh this can be offensive in a way that violence is not uh in is not seen as at least in the u.s uh certainly you will see uh people questioning who violence is visited upon but when you make Uh, and you know you'll get things like the RE5 controversy about portrayals and things like that but you will also run into when you add sex as a dynamic to where the horror is coming from you end up having to examine why is this being treated as like, what kind of horror are you mining? Which there's all sorts of dangerous paths to take there. It's it's just a really dangerous thing to make if your intention is primarily, I would like to make a video game that I can sell and make money from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like, yeah, there, there's just, it, it just a lot of mm, AAA especially, a lot of the way that these developments are structured is built around minimizing risk. And every element of, like, horror revolving around sexual repression is going to introduce just so much risk to a project. So, that's why you do not see this that much. Uh that developers just don't want to take a chance with a topic that's so easily veered into a train wreck. Yeah, you're 100% correct. That is the primary <laughs> reason you do not see this. Uh, is the gap between scary and intimidating simply boiling down to what uh, you can do about it? Like, you think the Doom monsters are scary when you can dismember them with a chainsaw. Uh, Doom is horror-themed. It is not a horror game. Uh, and that, that's, that's an important distinction. Like... How much you can do about it, yes and no. Uh, The way I would describe it is that the gap is how much is the player meant to feel like they can't do something, as opposed to whether they can or not. Uh, The way I would describe this is, like, the Resident Evil thing. Resident Evil, uh, the old Resident Evil games are designed to give you the impression That you are always at the verge of running out of ammo. But if you actually document how much ammo is in them, there is more than you would ever really need. But you don't know where all of it is. So it doesn't matter that there's more than you would ever need, because you will feel like you are running out. So yes, a big part of it is being able to uh, react and defend yourself. Uh, But You don't actually... It's generally very bad to take away the player's capacity to defend themselves completely. uh, Because you run into a game where you have just pissed them off. Uh, I've ranted about this before. When a horror game kills you, it has run out of things to do to you. It can't hurt you anymore. And that means that the more that it kills you, the more that it runs the risk of just making you irritated. Which is... One of the most opposed feelings to being scared. So, in essence, a game uses intimidation to create fear. Uh, and so, strong enemies in non-horror games can create that same idea, or enemies whose patterns you do not understand. Uh, mm-hmm. Anything like that can create horror. But uh, what, what what would you consider to
2: be a good example of a RPG then
1: well aside from something like Sweet Home (laughs) yeah like if if we're taking that off the table uh, Um, I can't think Hmm?
3: there's one I saw um, there is a translation for um, has to do with like a ghost house or something it's an old NES game
1: I think you're thinking of Sweet Home
3: maybe I am Um, you know
2: Give me a moment. It's a house
1: full of ghosts. It's made by Capcom. It's a horror-themed RPG. Uh,
2: It's the direct inspiration for Resident Evil.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's where the original Resident Evil games take their uh, door-opening cinematics from. But... uh, For your question, I would actually say... Old dungeon crawlers can be very good at this, actually. No, this isn't uh, it.
3: There's, there's a different one.
1: Huh. Well, if you figure it out, let me know, because nothing's coming to mind. Um, yeah, I'll,
2: I'll figure it out. Gotcha. I had two different games from my old reviews list that both fit the horror theme, actually.
1: What are the NES games?
2: <laughs> oh, nope, they were both PlayStation games.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, The, the, other, the, the thing I was going to enter... Is that this game is probably not meant. It's meant to be unsettling in places, but like I would actually say, the original like Kingfield games actually give the kind of sense of foreboding you would expect. Uh, They are not horror per se, but they are depressing (laughs) and intimidating and foreboding (laughs) in many places.
2: Or. With the, the opening sequence of the latest Paper Mario game with the characters getting origamified.
1: Oh, the Origami King. Yeah, that's legitimately unsettling. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, what were the PS1 games you were thinking of?
2: Ark of the Mermaid and... Oh, yeah, of course. Nightmare Project Ikata. Of Kodaoka. course, of
1: course. Should've remembered. Kodalka? Kodalka. That is Kodaoka's meant to be broken. horror... I would say that it's actually probably too hard and thus does not actually scare me it's a it's a game i'm much more likely to feel pissed off at than scared which Uh,
3: i i can understand that yes
1: but it is definitely meant to be at the very least horror themed
2: yeah mark the mermaid is a good example of a survival horror tactical rpg just because Mm. there were no stores there was no real means of actually getting anything except randomly finding it on the ground without any clues to where it was in the first place, mm-hmm. including a lot of your equipment.
0: But, and yeah, you had,
2: and you had levels that were literally infinite monster spawns.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I was going to say, like, like as the corollary here, you can absolutely use a lot of the mechanics of horror in a game that is not scary and is not meant to be. Uh, and, uh, that immediately calls to mind, uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, which is using a ton of the old-school Resident Evil playbook and integrating it into, like, a strategy RPG, and yep. it, it's not scary, it's not supposed to be, but it's tense, like, that's, but there is a difference yep. between tension and horror. But, yeah.
3: I can think
1: of several horror themed games. Yeah, like, you, you'll often see them sort of wear the aesthetic of, like, horror. Uh, but, like, you know, it's, it's a styling that people like, even if they don't necessarily like being scared. Uh, yeah, that, that would be my immediate uh, pull for that. In conclusion, uh, people like This Is Halloween, even if they don't necessarily like uh, the Halloween movies. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. See, um, Let's see. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap this one up. Uh, a left-field question. Can you make a horror movie about the protagonist ripping apart the monsters? In other words, can Army of Darkness even be called a horror film? Uh, it is a horror-themed comedy. You can still you can still scare someone, but I mean, you know, that's going to come from occasionally. It looks like the protagonist might not might die, which you know, that happens.
3: Oh, I th- I think that I think the best example to do this for a game is that uh, new uh, Metroidvania that we were discussing on the Discord, uh, Infernix.
1: Oh yeah, I haven't checked that out yet. But, uh, maybe I'll look into that. But yeah, I, I think that uh, at the very least uh, there, there are certain aspects that you can infuse uh, like horror can be pulled in in part by drawing upon the idea of taking safety away from something that appeared safe and that's why you can, in, you can do like these really uh Dark shifts from comedy to horror Uh, like if you have you know a set of characters that seems like oh maybe things are turning out okay and then suddenly you take that safety away I mean suddenly you've got that like the horror was more effective because it was preceded by levity Hmm. Uh, the sense of betrayal to the uh, audience in as much as the sense of betrayal to the protagonist and in that sense, you could probably do that with something like, uh, I guess the the archetypal answer to this would be uh, Predator, which you know is you know absolutely just the predator doing slasher horror shit on a set of army commandos, and stalking Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then at the end Arnold Schwarzenegger kills the predator. But you know. That partly works because there is one predator. For the same reason that, uh, you know, Alien ends with Ripley killing the alien, uh, but uh, you know, the when you get to Aliens, it's very clearly no longer a horror movie, which is just a horror-themed action movie. the more that you can the more you have the protagonist killing what is supposed to be the primary threat the less the primary threat works as a function of the threat and threat is the heart of horror or at least the heart of that kind of horror i should say <sighs> anyone else uh, any any other conflicting opinions concurring whatever i i talk too much
0: <laughs> nah uh,
1: We should maybe wrap this up because wheel is very tired. Clearly, I'm all right, but we're also out of questions in the Discord. Okay, but... well then, yeah,
0: we should wrap. <laughs> uh,
1: Who wants to start? Oh, it got useful
3: this week. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It's always good to have, yeah. We don't need to be useful. None of us here is being useful. We're making a podcast. Um, well,
3: a, yeah, but I mean, like you, you and Gaijin have a, a, a wider breadth of information than I do in many cases.
1: I'm I'm specked entirely into useless trivia. I was I was tormenting a friend earlier by name dropping games that were canceled 15 years ago and that no one has thought of since because someone had to remember fifth phantom saga existed
2: oh but what about um ushiro
1: uh ushiro never it's, stops it, because there's always the which incredible... I, I will
2: note i will note. it is still still holding at number two on the most anticipated games list in the mitsu weekly for the,
1: yeah like i
2: on five I, or six years now <laughs>
1: I, I am eternally like, uh, I, I'm more the uh, frame city killer kind of person who remembers a game that like, I saw like three screenshots of in the mid-2000s, and now like, it's just stuck in my head like I'm a diseased bird. Um, hey, I, I still every, remember
2: I still every remember year. article I read about the, about the California Raisins. So, oh, at, the, the Grape market. Escape? Yeah. That one actually come out.
1: It did not. It was so far along that they had sent review copies in.
2: Yep. I just remember that one of the levels was the Maze Maze. Yeah. The final boss was like a a bunch of grapes hanging from a vine, dressed as Julius Caesar.
1: Because of course. I was actually playing uh, Socks the Cat Rocks the Hill a few days ago. What a strange game.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so every year, um, around the end of September, um, my sister and I put together a gift list for my parents, because my my parents work on lists, because they don't usually have a lot of time to do shopping, okay? Yeah. And every year, my mom has me my sister's list, and I go through it with a fine-tooth code being like, okay, this is cancelled, this is canceled. This is a digital only release. This one's digital only. This is a, this one's been canceled. This one is not by this name. It's actually by this name. And that then happens. I will proceed, proceed to hand it back to my to my mom and saying, "Here, I fixed her list again."
1: That's your Christmas wow. gift.
3: <laughs> Here's what's funny is I did this while my sister was working for GameStop.
1: <laughs> wow no guesses no guesses
3: <laughs> well I think the problem was is my sister hears, she doesn't keep up on the news like she may hear stuff in passing or something but then she doesn't keep up on it whereas me where has been one of my favorite places to hang out for the last like 15-20 years Here. Mm-hmm. here pretty much
1: well understood.
3: With good company.
1: Who?
0: <laughs> I wanna know. It might be cool to hang out with. Maybe we can get them on the show.
3: There's a lot of cool people on the staff.
1: Sure. Hmm. Perhaps
2: uh I just think we're some- too- <laughs> <long> forums. <laughs> we don't have forums. Okay, the Discord now, yes. A lot of same <laughs> people, different decade. Same people, different decade.
0: I mean, he's,
3: Actually, he's not we wrong. He's we not
1: have wrong. gotten some
3: new people on the Discord.
1: Yeah. Yeah uh... yeah, uh. But yeah, no, like like tormenting people with knowledge of, uh things that they can and should immediately forget the existence of is like one of my few talents, so uh, King of Pirates yeah. What's that? Oh, hey, King of Pirates, of course yeah. Listen, someone has to remember Rubu Tribe Why? No further questions But I have, um, I have questions You're not getting answers Okay But can I There's like three minutes of footage in horrible blurry quality that exists on the internet. Okay. Uh, But what are we talking about? Canceled games that only I remember with names Uh, like Ice 9. What happened to Ice 1 through 8? Well, Ice 9 might have given you the answer to that, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's true.
2: Gonna say ice nine just froze the planet. Oh well.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. So yeah. N- never feel bad about oh, uh, le- less breadth of knowledge on the worst things to know. <laughs> but yeah.
2: Uh. Yeah. I I still remember the time I was at Tokyo Game Show and I was actually talking to um, I think it was now she used to with Nippon and they mm-hmm. were talking about localizing Gus games I asked her about Cronus Materia
1: oh god
2: this was three months before Cronus Materia was quietly completely cancelled and she had no idea what I was talking about which was a bad sign
1: yeah that's one of those things where it's like oh they, if they if they don't tell anyone in the like public facing role what a game is that's, that's not a great start
2: yeah
0: oof
1: there's no yeah. there's
3: no other response to that, just
1: oof. He's pretty much. Pilot Gaijin, I hear you can tell me about where I can get a nice pizza in place of D&D. Uh, oh, one moment, one moment. Let me get up here. I've
2: been cooking here. That's fair. No worries. Okay, yes. Well, actually, I, I actually got a nice uh, review blog post for it now.
3: Nice. Yeah. Uh, I want you to know, I shared it
2: around some of my D&D Discords. Oh cool, thank you. Excellent. That'd be the reason why I somehow sold 7 paperbacks this month out of the blue. <laughs> yeah, ever
3: ever since that review went up, I, I posted it on some D&D Discords, so hopefully that helped get you a few more sales. Hope so, hope so, yeah. yeah. And my
0: tax
2: return yeah. comes in tomorrow, so expect yeah. your
0: sales.
2: Yeah, so, yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor uh, for Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, and in collected format for paperback. Four books so far. Working on the fifth. Um, just if you enjoy tabletop gaming, reading about tabletop gaming, living vicariously through other people's poor di- um, uh, poor dice rolls and poorer personal decisions um, in a, uh, in a fairly, fairly easy-to-read middle school g- around middle school... Re, um, format. Um, some of my some of my, uh, co-workers in Japanese high school disagree with me on the easy-to-read part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> to be fair, English possibly not the first language for some of them.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, this gets back to a pre- previous discussions on how as far as Japan's concerned, lit- literary English is basically Darmok. Fair Star enough. Trek. So and, and, and issues with localizations arising there, uh, there from <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so uh, it's uh, under the name Michael Yarimizu, Y A R I M I Z U. Well, just because my wife's family is very nice. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Yarimizu Clan. Um, and so yeah, the, uh, the review blog was just—it was just very nice about it. It was um, good, talking about um, what, was, what was it she said? Um, good way to introduce um like middle schoolers to the concepts and uh slow build up of different mechanics and just mentioning things and hmm. doesn't get too bogged down on certain details
1: that's important
2: <laughs> very important when dealing with something like that yes so um but yeah and i i hope she gets to the second volume at some time in the future just to read and enjoy hmm.
1: So. But yeah, that's available. You don't have to wait for someone else to get the second ball. You you could do it yourself.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll um,
1: actually hopefully get be getting paychecks soon, so I can start buying them as well.
2: <laughs> yes, and uh, I mean, ever since action play or whatever they're called, active play podcasts, whatever for D and D started to become super popular, I finally have something to actually compare the series to. Except it's a glutted market from YouTube at the moment. Uh, it's, it's, but it's, if it's you want to actually read it and
1: stuff. enjoy it at your own pace, there's your option. Yes. There's a good option.
2: Yes. That, it's not one more rehashing of A uh, Curse of Strahd. It's, <laughs> it's really these, uh, this, apparently, it's really popular with these active play podcasts.
1: It's a um, very good first module. It's my first module. <laughs> yeah.
2: Okay.
1: Yeah. Speaking of slightly spooky but not actually horror. Uh yeah. But yeah. I thought that would be a See. Uh damn. Any plugs? Uh
3: you can usually catch me here uh here on the RPGamer Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash gamer on Tuesdays and Thursdays morning playing RPGs as well as uh Many times on the Friday late night, um, so lot hunt Fridays is Final Fantasy, whereas Tuesdays and Thursdays are a set game that I'm working through. So uh, planning to finish up uh, Parasite Eve, hopefully either tomorrow, uh, if not er- next week. I have the last dungeon to do, as well as the last three boss but the. "Quote unquote four bosses, which is more like eight bosses because various stage fights. Yay! Um, hmm. You and uh, and not only myself, but uh, our host Wheels is uh, also streams on Sunday nights with his shenanigans, where
0: you can yay. oftentimes
3: catch not just himself, but uh, david myself and uh some other people that like to hang out Wait. with wheels discuss Wait, games everyone while... who's currently
1: present yes yeah if we're very lucky we get gaijin
3: yeah, yeah. And, and a few others yeah
0: joey jojo, yes. yep. ha- joey out, jojo.
3: Talk, talk games not not quite to the extent of q a quest but um, definitely talking games.
1: We're here. less focused, much more casual, and often much more distracted, which is impressive.
2: And yet, yeah, we've you... managed to repeat ourselves like two or three times today for topics that we were discussing on Man- or or shenanigans. So not sure. everyone
1: watches both, so you know you get that, uh, you get
2: that crossover. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: David, what about you? What what does you got?
1: Uh, all I've got is a Patreon where I say things and read uh, and write things. That has been slow recently because I've been worried—not worried per se—but working on uh, new job stuff, and so that's there's still stuff in the pipeline. I've I've dabbled with making shorter, like less edited audio posts as just sort of a hey, here's something on my mind that I have not been able to wrangle into essay form. So, uh. Those might also be showing up more often as I uh, try to find how to work my schedule. Uh, All this stuff is free, so, uh, you know. You can go ahead and uh, contribute if you want or not. It's all up to what you think it's worth. I think the most recent thing I did was ramble a bit about uh, player personalization in non- uh, in contexts where it does not actually completely change the game, it meant that I got to talk a bit about Steambot Chronicles, which uh, any longtime listener will know is one of my favorite games ever, and has all sorts of uh, player customization in ways that I would describe as non-critical. But yeah, uh, so you know, give the give the those a read or listen, whichever suits you best. Uh, That's about it for me. And Tam covered what Wheels would have covered, which is good because Wheels is both distracted by Apex and probably dying. So, wow. uh...
0: (laughs) Now he's living. I could have covered him. But yeah, Tam covered Uh... it quite well. So, (laughs) I also will be streaming some Final Fantasy VI Pixel Remaster
1: coming up. Yeah, you played about. Fifteen minutes of that during the stream.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've already played it a bunch on tablet uh, so today. Ah, of
1: course. I mean, I'm
3: sure it's a game that s- several of us have played fifty thousand times.
1: Yes, yeah, but I accurate. played for it once. But that was enough. You're a monster. Listen, it's not my fault. I think the game is. Born.
0: You're a monster. He's
3: just—he's not a monster. He's just inhuman.
1: Can I at least be a better Marvel franchise? Um, no. Wow. Harsh. Okay. Uh, you Whatever. can be uh, Morbius
0: the bed. Living Vampire. There you go. Oh,
1: great. I get to be a Sony movie. Um... <laughs> uh, let's put the sucker to bed. Uh, you can ask us questions like good friend Fireminer did this week uh, via the Discord if you've not been... Uh, if you are not part of the Discord, we fully urge you to join whether you want to ask us questions or not. It's a lovely community. Uh, you can join it by going to uh, RPGamer.com, clicking the Community tab, and that will get you a Discord invite link you can use to uh, discuss all and all sundry, but most especially a lovely community for RPG discussion. Um, the other things, of things, other things. You can also ask us questions via the uh, comment section under this or another recent episode. Uh, whatever. Uh, we will usually keep track of the last three or so episodes just to make sure that we don't miss any. Uh, if there's anything you ever want us to uh, talk about or even if you just want us to elaborate on a prior question, I'm sure that I can... Uh, spin the roulette wheel and go on a completely different tangent this time. Uh, but yeah, uh, those are... That's that's all very... Uh, we, we love that, and please, please ask questions if you want. You can also watch the stream. It typically happens every Wednesday night at 9 Pacific, midnight Eastern. Uh, barring extreme circumstances. Uh, but otherwise... See ya, Space Cowboys.
0: See ya. Ah.